the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a Wednesday, middle of the weekday. We are closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. Also means that in the last hour of the show today, uh, we will be heading out to Washington, D.C. We'll talk to uh, Congressman Hill. We'll talk to Congressman Westerman. There's a lot of things going on in D.C. we need to talk about. But we also need to talk about what's happening right here in our own backyard. And that's why I've asked for uh, State uh, Representative Mark Lowry to uh, join us today. And let me tell you what, today he was going to get a little sleep in time because they weren't supposed to meet today till 11 o'clock over at Capitol. But I knocked on his door uh, through his phone and asked him if he could join me today because there was a couple of things I wanted to talk to him about, and he agreed. So, we thank you for that, uh, State Representative, for uh, giving us some of that sleep time that I'm sure you'd like to have right now. Well, thank you, Dave. I, I appreciate that. I I would uh, like to have been in there with you, but, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's early. It's early. It is. <laughs> I don't know how you do it. Well, it's early, and I understand that. And uh, I thought you guys were meeting starting at about 8 o'clock, and I thought, well, he could come on by and do the show and then head on over and grab a cup of coffee and, you know, talk to his fellow legislators. And then you mentioned we don't meet today till 11. So uh, I, I apologize. Well, no, it's, you know, it's interesting how when you have an extended session like this, that's limited in the type of legislation you can take up or a special session, you know, sometimes uh, the committees that you serve on, I serve on education insurance and commerce, none of the bills came to our committee. Committee, So I, I've really had a lot of, you know, hurry up and wait moments, you know, sitting around waiting uh, as the other committees have been working. But I've been going to some of the committees, the state agencies, looking at the redistricting maps, and that has been an interesting process. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I've, I've got a lot of time on my hands in the morning. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit. First, before we talk about this special session, it's not a special session. It's a continuation of the uh, General Assembly that met uh, earlier on this year. But you guys got a a few more responsibilities that you need to take care of. Let's talk about something else. I had sent you a message yesterday about this. There are some Arizona legislators that are trying to get legislators from across the gamut here in the uh, uh, United States. 
to uh, go in and look back on the election that happened uh, in 2020 and have an audit done to find out exactly were there any problems in the election. We all know that having a clear legal uh, elections is important for people to you know, uh, believe in going to the polls and and voting. You belong to this. Bring me up to date on how you got involved in it and why you're involved in it. Well, um, State Senator Wendy Rogers from Arizona has been uh, pushing for uh, a 50-state audit and had had uh, a a letter signed being sent to uh, Congress uh, asking for that audit, and I, I just had a number of constituents contact me because I've I've been out across the state campaigning for Secretary of State and been talking about election fraud and the things that we need to do to ensure election integrity. And so constituents have had asked me, would you join join on to that letter? And so I did contact uh, Senator Rogers, uh, asked that. Uh, uh, and, and the main reason people said, well, nobody from Arkansas, no legislator from Arkansas has signed on to that letter. I said, well, I will be the first to do so then. And so it does call for a 50-state audit of our elections. Okay. Who's going – audits, from what I understand, are fairly expensive. Who's going to pay for these uh, audits? Is uh, If it happens, will it be funds from the state treasury that have to be spent? Well, you know, the devil's in the details, obviously. Uh, I think most voters believe that whatever it costs, uh, we need to find out whether our elections are uh, f- uh, fair and, and being conducted uh, equitably, equitably across the state. Um, you know, Arkansas really is a great laboratory, I think, and I use that term to say, you know, we need to find out how our elections are being run, because the issue of whether Donald Trump won Arkansas or not, for instance, is not in doubt. Right. He, he won by close to 30 points. So why not use uh, even our state as an opportunity to find out whether there was uh, either election official impropriety or whether there was election fraud? Uh, because, you know, the truth is uh, opponents uh, of election integrity issues will say, well, there's not a there's not widespread fraud. Well, actually, there probably is, but the truth is, many prosecutors won't prosecute a case or a complaint uh, if it, for instance, just affects maybe one vote. Their their attitude is, if it doesn't change the outcome of the election, then why pursue it? Uh-huh. Well, my belief is, fraud is fraud, whether it is one instance of election fraud or whether it's 10,000 instances. And and we need to find out where that is happening. Uh, certainly we can't uh, use any of that information, I don't believe, to overturn past elections, but we can certainly heighten our vigilance, find out where the, where the problems are around the state, uh, and then when we get to the next election cycle, make sure that there are either the Republican Party or the Democrat Party uh, can send more poll watchers to those areas to make sure that the election is done fair and square. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this yesterday, and we all understand that when we talk about, you know, fraud or 
you know, misuse of, uh, you know, how you go about counting ballots and things, that tip, there, there, there's not huge voter fraud. We're not talking about thousands of votes, but it doesn't take thousands of votes. I mean, look, Servillo lost by what, 13 votes or something like that? Yes, something like that, yeah. My first election back in 2012 uh, in the Republican primary, I won by nine votes. So it doesn't take a whole lot to change the outcome of an election. And uh, I, I just think, you know, as I've seen when I ran the bill on voter ID in 2017, one of the main issues that I centered on is the the confidence in elections by our voters has been dwindling dramatically through the through the years. And we have to do things to to heighten that confidence, that voter confidence. Well, uh, it, would, so, it would seem to me, Mark, also that when somebody, and, and if it's five votes, if it's 500 votes, if there's somebody who has turned the, uh, the way an election comes out by, you know, putting a few votes in or a lot of votes in, there should be some serious consequences. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, and I've been on your show previously to talk about the election integrity bills that we uh, passed in the, the, the spring session, the 2021 session, 16 bills that will toughen uh, uh, and heighten election integrity. Uh, you know, one specifically of being able to to refer uh, to refer uh, complaints to the state board of election commissioners and to give them the authority to use the Arkansas State Police if necessary to investigate, to issue subpoenas, and then to be able to uh, uh, direct uh, corrective actions in uh, d- related to whatever the complaint is. But the main thing is it helps us develop a, a clearinghouse of the fact that there are complaints out there. And if you find all of a sudden a hotbed of complaints, uh, that's a huge red flag in whatever county or precinct or wherever that the complaints uh, comes from. And we need to know where those areas are so that we can make corrective act- action for future elections. Mark Lauer is with us, state representative from over uh, in uh, the North Little Rock area, in the Maumelle area. He's going to continue to be with us. We're going to talk with him in a few moments about what's going on in the uh, Capitol. There's going to be more work done today. I, I understand you guys got down to like nine maps yesterday about redistricting. We'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, from what I've heard, Pulaski County looks like it's being broken into like three districts. We'll talk about that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. But let me remind you about Pat Davis right now. It's getting to be that time when you got to go out and figure out what you're doing about your health insurance. And let me tell you, Pat Davis does it different. Pat Davis will save you money. Uh, Pat Davis will make it so that you don't have to pay co-pays anymore. And you can choose whomever you want to use from whomever uh, across the United States. I mean, you can choose any provider in the nation uh, to do your health insurance. Again, save 30 to 50% on health insurance. Uh, it's the perfect health plans for self-employed people. It's uh, health plans for conservatives 
where you don't pay for what you don't believe in, like abortion, things of that nature. Uh, it is an actual insurance plan and not a share plan. Uh, it, uh, again, you can choose any provider in the nation. Uh, there are no co-pays. And often you get a check when you go to the doctor, urgent care, and even the hospital. We've talked to uh, Pat about that. He's told the stories. Hundreds of dollars going back to patients. So uh, you need to check into all of this. I know I get so many people look at me and they said, you get a check? And I said, you get a check. And they go, well, that sounds like, mm, I don't think so. And I go, talk to Pat. I'm just, I'm just kind of begging you to talk to Pat. You know, get yourself uh, you know, educated about this or educated, if you want to say it that way. Uh, 501-605-6935. Instead of doing it the same old, same old, Call Pat and talk to him about the way he does it and save some money. You can also find out about more than this on uh, the Internet. Go to yourhealthplanman.com. That's Pat Davis, 501-605-6935. Okay, let's continue on with our uh, conversation with State Representative Mark Lowry. Uh, Mark from Maumel, uh, he has been uh, you know working on voter integrity since uh, well before the beginning of this year to get legislation on the books that uh, tighten up things. For instance, uh, it came to his attention that he got the voter ID bill through uh, a couple of years ago. But what was happening is when people showed up and didn't have an ID to show, they gave them a provisional ballot and those ballots ended up being counted anyway. So why have a, a you know, an, a, a voter ID bill. Well, they they said can't take those provisional ballots anymore. You got to have an ID, and uh, they tightened that all up. And I I commend him on the air for doing this. I mean, you get you don't get a a provisional ID or way of buying liquor if somebody cards you and you don't prove that you're 21. I mean, uh, there's laws out there that are there for a good reason and. Uh, Having to show an ID before you vote, I think, is a, is a splendid idea with as many ways as we're challenged about our IDs and things of that nature for getting on airplanes and all the rest of the things that we have to show one for. It only makes sense to me that you got to show one to be able to uh, cast a ballot and make sure that our voter integrity is is kept in uh, in a very strong and and sensible way so that people when they go to the polls know that their vote's not going to get canceled by somebody doing something illegal so we've asked uh, you know the representative beyond with us today i wanted to talk to him about this i think that he's been uh, great on being the person behind this uh, push uh, with uh, with other members of the house and the senate as well uh, but uh, he really has been one of the guys that like in the scrum pushing towards the goal line when you watch a, a game of football and you see the running back go into the big pile of people uh, he may go the next five yards without his feet even touching the ground it may be it may be all the offensive linemen picking him up and and pushing him forward and uh, picking up a few extra yards and maybe even getting him across the goal line and that's what mark has done so let me uh go back and congratulate you for the things that you have done about this already. Uh, we talked about this uh, national uh, 
audit. Uh, are we even close to that yet, Mark, or is it still just kind of all in the formulation and talk stages? Well, it's just in the formulation and talk stages. Uh, you know, the, the really critical issue is making sure that if there is a 50-state audit, that the legislatures of each state are engaged in how that audit would be conducted. Uh, the National Association of Secretaries of State had actually had a resolution several months back, uh, and I really think it was just something that they could hide behind, uh, many of them, on whether there would be a 50-state audit. They wanted a national uh, standard being used, uh, and, and the, the, the federal government would be dictating to the states how the audit would be conducted uh-huh. and i found that i find that to be very problematic the there were there was only one no vote to that the west virginia secretary of state uh the missouri attorney uh, uh, secretary of state abstained from it uh our secretary of state john thurston actually voted for that resolution and uh so i think that's this 50 state audit uh process that we're we're looking at has to involve the state legislature. That's where elections are run, is by the states, not by the federal government. Thank we don't you. Need to, we don't need to let the camel's nose get under the tent, uh, especially using what we believe was widespread election impropriety to use that to actually allow uh, uh, the federal government to get its nose you know, into our elections and say they should be running the elections. We know what's going to happen. I mean, uh, President Biden has already said that he is going to send Department of Justice into states like Arkansas that has voter ID uh, to get that in overturned. And uh, that, that overturns the will of the people. It overturns uh, the vote of your legislators who said by a supermajority uh, that they want voter ID. Eighty percent of our Kansans also support it. And that that's uh, the direction that we're headed now. That's where what we have. Yeah, it's, it's it's. I just want you to keep on working at it, Mark. You've been doing a good job. Uh, keep at it. Keep it on the front burner so people are paying attention to it. Because I'm with you. I think more and more people are losing trust uh, in voter integrity, and, and it doesn't have to happen here in Arkansas on any great level. If uh, if it just happens a little bit, people see all the other stories about Philadelphia and Chicago and things of that nature, and they hear it happened on a small scale here in Arkansas, they think it's a much bigger scale. Exactly, and that's exact. That's why even states like Arkansas, where the the presidential election really was not in question, we still need to conduct an audit because, as you say, people in Arkansas are seeing. Uh, what happened in Fulton County in Georgia or uh, Maricopa County or in Pennsylvania or Wisconsin, and they wonder, well, when, you know, are our elections fair? Uh-huh. So we need to make sure going forward that uh, that there is that confidence. And let me go back and tell you that on voter ID, the, the issuance or the use of provisional ballots was unfortunately something that we had written into the law originally in 2017 that you could cast a provisional ballot and sign a sworn statement attesting that you are who you say you are. But we've discovered in in subsequent elections that that was extremely problematic 
So the legislature in this session, this year's session, stripped that provision, and now we have a pure voter photo voter ID bill. That is the only way that you'll be able to vote, either in person or even by absentee ballot. You have to uh, you would have to submit a photocopy of your voter ID for your absentee ballot to be counted. Now, as I tell people, you've got to show an ID for just about anything. It's and and for negligible things, it only makes sense to me for something like voting. Uh, app, which is very, very important that you should have to show an ID for that as well. All right, let's take a break, Mark, and we'll come back and continue our conversation. I want to take you into the Capitol, and you can kind of walk us through about what's going on over there. Is it kind of a state of chaos, or have things calmed down now? That all coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so they're meeting in the Capitol, and uh, they're passing some different Uh, bills or not passing others and uh, there's work going on so let's talk to uh, state representative mark lowry about what has been occurring and uh, mark can you kind of bring us up to date as people know that you all are working your your hearing bills and things of that nature let's talk about that and then let's talk about uh, the whole deal of the uh, impact of uh the census and the new congressional maps uh, that are being drawn up and state maps that are being drawn up for elections uh, coming up next year. Right. Well, Dave, as you know, we, we are in an extended session uh, currently. Uh, we had recessed back in the, uh, the spring uh, because we were waiting on census data to be able to, uh, for us to do our job of redistricting that's done every 10 years, the census data did come in. And so we convened to take up redistricting, but also the proclamation did allow for taking up uh, uh, any veto overrides or uh, even it related to COVID issues. And there's been this debate uh, on the floor of the Senate and the House of whether the bills dealing with vaccine mandates actually are germane to the call uh, of the proclamation. The Senate actually took that issue up. Uh, uh, Lieutenant Governor Tim Griffin ruled as the presiding officer that uh, uh, several of the bills did uh, were germane. Uh, There was a long debate over that where there was an attempt to appeal his decision, uh, and his, his ruling was upheld. We just we had a similar battle in the House yesterday where Speaker Shepard uh, interpreted uh, one of those bills as not being germane. And so we had a debate. We had a vote, uh, unfortunately, in the House. And what that does is it keeps him if it's if he says that the bill is not germane, then he does not even have to send it to committee for a debate. And I and I just find that problematic. I think if, if enough members in that house committee believe that the bill is not germane then they can vote accordingly but at least testimony is heard so that's you know frankly part of what's going on but the redistricting process is also taking place uh, it looks like we've, we've kind of come down to several maps as you know mentioned uh, there have been a lot of maps out there uh, senator jane english and representative melda speaks 
uh, have seen seem to have the inside track right now on the map that will be considered. Uh, and it, uh, as as you mentioned earlier, Pulaski County would be uh, would be split, not in large portions, but most of Pulaski would remain in the second district. But there are portions of uh, extreme east, southeast Pulaski County that would be split between uh, either the first district or the fourth district. And uh, so, I, you know, I've been watching some of this and looking at the maps and. Uh, Sebastian County is also another county that is split. Uh, I believe the area just south of Greenwood in Sebastian County over in the western part of the state would actually be in the 4th District. The rest of Sebastian would be in the 3rd District. So those are, you know, some of the things that are that are happening. And, uh, you know, we, we should be uh, wrapping up this session probably in the next several days. And I'm sure that you'll all be happy when that occurs. Well, it certainly has been a very uh, tumultuous process, uh, but you know we we need to do the people's work, and that's why I believe you know we shouldn't be using procedural uh, processes to uh, to limit debate. Uh, these debate these bills should should have been recognized as they were over in the Senate, even though they had to go through a protracted uh, parliamentary battle. Uh, it remains to be seen whether any other bills, as they come over from the Senate, will likewise be ruled to not be germane uh, by the Speaker. And, and if that's the case, I will continue to join with uh, Representative uh, Gayla uh, Hendren McKenzie, uh, raised the, made the motion yesterday to appeal the decision of the chair. I supported her in that and spoke from the well. Uh, uh, about that, and uh, but we were outvoted, and uh, you know I think a lot of it sometimes comes down to legislators wanting to support the speaker. Uh, I support him. I've, I've appreciated the appointment that he gave me to be chairman of Insurance and Commerce, but that doesn't mean that that I can't uh, say that something is wrong when I believe it's wrong, and. Right. Uh, so we, we had a, vo- a voice vote yesterday uh, on that, and, and hopefully, I hope that we won't have the same issue come up again. But if we need to fight that battle to make sure that bills are heard on the vaccine mandates, uh, which uh, I, I believe a majority of us in the House believe private employers should not be mandating that their employees be vaccinated or they lose their job. And this is extremely important. Uh, you know, we've got, I think the last I heard from the state chambers, we've got 50,000 jobs across the state of Arkansas that are that are not going unfilled because of the, the lingering effects of the continued effects of COVID. And yet here now we are look, taking uh, people who are gainfully employed, uh, many in frontline services, uh, hospitals and home health care, and, and they're being told that uh, they're going to lose their job if they don't go against their own personal conscience in many cases and be vaccinated. What do you think that when you're hearing from the president now uh, where even religious exemptions aren't considered, that people still lose their jobs even though they have a legitimate uh, religious 
conflict with getting vaccinated? You know, I raised the issue yesterday that to say that private employers, uh, especially in a work at will state like Arkansas, that they the argument on the other side is that they have the right to dictate any guidelines. But the truth is, I asked Representative Bentley while she was in the well, is it not true that private employers cannot, if they are in the process of hiring, they cannot ask a woman whether she is pregnant? And and they cannot. So they're restricted there. They can't ask an employee if they have, have AIDS or HIV. There's any number of health-related issues that private employers cannot ask of their employees. So why are we now saying that you can ask whether you have a vaccination card? I, you know, it had, to me, it, it just has a chilling effect. And, and I really believe it's not too illogical a jump to believe that this president believes that the federal government ought to be able to go door to door and ask for your documents, ask for your papers. And uh, it, it just doesn't take much of a leap to all of a sudden liken until uh, unto another time in history where a country was going, uh, government was going in Nazi Germany and asking people for their papers. I feel that this is exactly what this president uh, is really leading up to. All right. That's, uh, you know, that's a, that's a serious question for all of us to uh to examine and to make decisions about. There's no doubt about that. About that. Are you hearing from both sides of this uh, as you all are debating it? Are there those, those who believe uh, that uh, businesses have the right to tell their people that they need to, you know, be vaccinated? Or uh, and are you getting the other side as well? Well, you know, Dave, it is a difficult issue for conservatives who believe in limited government and believe in uh, the fact that private employers should should not have to jump through significant hurdles to do their job. Uh, you know, in a, in a work at will state like Arkansas, uh, we embrace conservatives embrace that that employers should be able private companies should be able to run their company. Uh, any way they see fit. But the truth is, we still place limitations on that. Uh, and I think that this is one of those areas where we we have to protect the people of the state of Arkansas. We're not, we're not put in there to protect corporations. We're in there to protect the people of the state. And many, many of our constituents are losing their jobs. They're being told, and, and as you mentioned earlier, some are objecting on religious grounds, and yet they're being told that those exceptions will not be allowed. We have a responsibility, I believe, in the Arkansas legislature to step up. Uh, I find it very interesting, for instance, that Democrats who believe they will argue for uh, choice, that it's my body, it's my choice when it comes to abortion, but they don't have the same attitude about choice when it comes to the vaccine. They're all in for saying that, no, they don't have a choice. They should get they should be mandated to get the vaccine, whether it is by the government or whether it is by private employers. And the truth is, companies like Walmart and Tyson are just being enforcing agents for what it is that Biden wants. And we've we've just heard there's too much information out there 
about the harms uh, of the vaccine. Uh, you know, even be, having been told that, you know, the vaccine's the only way to protect yourself. But then we find out uh, from the very people that have encouraged it that if you have the vaccine, you're more likely to be carrying the COVID-19 virus than someone who's unvaccinated. Uh, you know, we've gotten mixed signals about the effectiveness of masks. Uh, you know, I just wish, frankly, at some point that someone from the federal government would just step up to a microphone and say, you know, honestly, we don't know what we're talking about. Uh, but they act with, you know, they've been all over the map on these issues. And I think uh, individual uh, people, the constituents, they deserve the right to be able to make those decisions for themselves. I mean, we, we've seen this in the last two days with Fauci and the CDC. CDC said you shouldn't be planning on getting together for Thanksgiving as a family. Then they backed off of that. Fauci said you might be thinking about Christmas and not having Christmas again this year. Do it virtually. And then he backed off of that. So, uh, you know, who knows what? It's uh, that's a, that's a great question. Got to get my final break in, uh, State Representative Lowry, and then we'll come back and we'll finish up our discussion this morning. Our guest, of course, is State Representative Mark Lowry, who has done a yeoman's task as far as elections go, and as far as uh, you know, the whole thing dealing with the maps. A lot more voting still to be done with that. But I got a couple of questions for him when we come back about the maps we'll talk about that here on the dave ellswick show so a break and then more coming your way don't forget about east end towing they want you to know no matter what the situation no matter if you locked your keys in the truck you you know you got a flat tire your car gave up the ghost out on i-40 somewhere and then you know in that part of it that is just pitch black there's no lights or anything that uh, when you need somebody to come uh, get your car, you need to know who it is that's going to do that for you. You don't want to just, you know, play your Russian roulette, so to speak, and pick somebody uh, out of out of your uh, your phone. Uh, know that East End Towing knows what they're doing. They belong to the Arkansas Tow and Recovery Board. They're licensed. They're insured. Uh, all of their trucks are permitted. And uh, they understand the rules. They know about private property tows, what to do with the vehicle, who can you call, all of that. All right. East End Towing can keep you out of a lot of problems. So call them, 501-888-8849. It's 501-888-8849. That's East End Towing. All right. Back with you on the Dave Ellswick Show yesterday. Uh, during the uh, state agencies and governmental affairs committee, uh, they met to debate Senate Bill 743, a proposal introduced by Senator Jane English of uh, North Little Rock, dealing with this uh, redistricting. And uh, the chairman, Senator Jason Rapert, uh, warned mem- members that if they do not pass a bill soon out of committee, that efforts to extract the bill would be made now extraction means they'll look to vote it out of committee put it on the floor and let them decide what they want to do with it basically is is that now right mark yes uh, the senate uh has a process the house as well it's different vote thresholds the 
the Senate can extract a bill from a committee with just a majority vote of the members, 18 members. Uh, in the House, it's two-thirds. So that would certainly not be something uh, that would be very likely over in the House. But the Senate's pretty close. I think they came within one vote uh, of being able to extract a bill from committee uh, yesterday. Uh, so Senator English, uh, Representative Speaks, have uh, entered into negotiations with different members who had problems with the bills, and uh, they've made some additional changes. Senator uh, English's bill, which is a companion to what Representative Speaks has, her bill is actually uh, up on the Senate agenda today, on the, the Senate chamber. So apparently they did vote it out. Uh, the House bill has not yet made it to the House calendar. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Let's talk a little bit about what what's happening here in Pulaski County. They're talking about keeping it divided this time in, in the three pieces. Understand, for the people who are saying it's not fair for Pulaski County to be divided, Democrats have done all of the redistricting for 130-odd years. This is the first time Republicans ever done it. So it's not like uh, Pulaski County being broken into three pieces is something unusual. It's been broken for a long, long time into pieces. Now, what does that mean? It means that they're going to take some of the people that are in the uh, Pulaski County and put them into the 1st District, which is car, uh, the district up north to the northeast, and in the four, in the 4th District, which is Bruce Westerman's district, which takes up a whole lot of the state from uh, the south uh, uh, east all the way up to the northwest uh, of, of Arkansas. And uh, the folks that are saying they don't like that, say by taking it out of uh, the second uh, district uh, what we're going to have is uh, they're making sure that who's ever in the second district doesn't have to have a, a lot of minority votes is am i being pretty clear on what the argument is there well the issue of whether it's about minority vote or not really is not uh something that uh, enters into this. And Placid County has not been split uh, by previous uh, redistricting, but a number of other counties have been split in the past. And so it's, as you said, it's not a new thing to split counties. Uh, But but many times you have to do that, especially when you do have highly populated, concentrated uh, areas like Placid County to be able to make sure that each of the congressional districts are as close as possible to to representing the same number of uh, 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 citizens of the state. So the latest map uh, does, uh, for the most part, Pulaski County remains in the second district. There are sections of extreme east and northeast Pulaski County, as you've mentioned, that would either go into, uh, for instance, and this is an example, for the first district is made up a lot of row crop farming uh, counties. Uh, so sections of Pulaski County, for instance, the Scott area, which is a farming community, that is going to be in the first district where they're currently represented, the first district is, represented by Representative Rick Crawford, who serves on the Agriculture Committee. So that should be great benefit of those people that live in that area. 
And then uh, southeast, uh, uh, extreme southeast Pulaski County would be split off uh, to the fourth district, as you said, Representative Representative Westerman. Uh, one of the things that was done was to make sure that the airport, the building Hillary Clinton Airport, remain in the second district. And so that, that has been done, and that's where some of the, the carving out uh, has taken place. Another county that is split is Sebastian County. But for the most part, all of the other 73 counties are in part or they, they are wholly in a congressional district. So I think we're starting to bring this in for a landing. And so it'll be interesting uh, over the next several days to see how that process uh, winds, it way down, winds its way down the, the path. Well, I'm really, you know, you know, interested to see if Democrats keep yelling that this is political when they've been the political party who's done all the redistricting for over 100 years. Well, we'll get yeah. back in and talk about this more, Mark, uh, as it goes on when everything and all the dust settles. Let me get you and Mark Johnson and maybe Kim Hammer and a few others in here into the studio and we'll talk about it and how it's going to uh, affect elections in in the future thanks for getting up That's early great. in the morning we appreciate it all right thank you all right appreciate it mark uh, lauer here on the dave ellswick show does a great job really does and can does a good job of explaining everything uh to you so you can kind of see how it's all working out all right we head to washington in the next hour we'll be talking in the first half hour with us uh, uh state uh, not state but congressman uh, French Hill, and then at 35, we'll talk to Congressman Bruce Westerman. Stick around. There's a lot to talk about. French Hill's up next here on the Dave Ellsworth Show. All right, let's get it underway. All right, we've got uh, uh, Congressman... French Hill with us here from Washington, D.C. And a lot of things going on in Washington right now are uh, there's things that are bleeding over into the state of Arkansas, and there's things that are happening here in the state of Arkansas, Congressman, that are bleeding over up where you're at. It's kind of crazy right now. Uh, happy hump day. Another. <laughs> Another another week with plenty to talk about. There is. There's a lot to talk about. Here's what I want to talk about you first. I, I'm worried about the FBI being into my, my, my stuff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the DOJ is warning parents, if you get too spirited in your debate with your school board, we're going to see what you're up to. That's scary. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know where to start on uh, the big government just on the issue of uh, constantly trying to suppress and cancel debate. And this is we I, I hate it that our school boards are now turning into these 
uh, horrible situations. But the point is, no one's using any common sense. And now we have the FBI who needs to be catching terrorists and catching fentanyl dealers and uh, looking at international attacks on our cyber system, worried about parents who are upset over mismanagement in their school district and coming to voice their opinion, which is a great American tradition. By yes. <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, we've got up at the DOJ, the, uh, of course, AG, who, at, who said that we've got to be watching for domestic terrorists at school board meetings. And what's two-spirited? Yeah, that's a good question. Because what I'm seeing is parents coming in out of real frustration. And in Washington and in Arkansas, frankly, in the Washington, D.C. Beltway, what we see on our nightly news is uh, worse, I would say. We have some very frustrated parents about misdirection and confusing rules around coronavirus and really frustrated parents about what's being taught about American history and civics in their schools. And they're, between that and the pandemic, you're seeing some real emotional uh, aspects. But what I like is I want parents engaged in our kids' education. I want parents driving uh, essentially that lesson plan. And a lot of parents saw for the first time, Dave, during the pandemic, oh, this is actually what my kids are learning and got a little window into their classroom because of the Zoom aspect of being online. And they didn't like what they see. Uh, So uh, this is why parents are engaging. They don't want a failed public school system. They want a successful public school system. And that's where the best part of our society has at its heart. As we educate our kids, that's the first responsibility of parents. A key partner in that is what they have in their lesson plans. And of course, parents are agitated. Yeah, I, it's 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 crazy, and I, I'm I'm so glad that that guy that's sitting at the head of DOJ isn't a Supreme Court justice. Right. Well, this will prompt questions once again of the FBI leadership. Is this how they should be doing their time allocation? Because look, the FBI has to testify before Congress all the time, and one of the key issues is what their threat assessment is and what their precious time availability is, not only for FBI, but for U.S. attorneys out there across the country. And traditionally, they've looked at uh, international, transnational crime, terrorism threats from abroad, and uh, other sorts of, I would say, group kingpin-type drug operations. Mm-hmm. And cyber threats are big. So to have people put off... Uh, to look at somebody who's gotten mad in a in a city council meeting, uh, that's or a school board meeting. That's a little tough because that happens every day in this country. You better believe it. Spirited <laughs> debate happens all the time in this country. Exactly. We, that's we don't want less. We want more. That's what we've always been saying about that. They've been all this wokeness now. People are starting to, I think, wake up to the wokeness. You know what I'm saying? I think so. I think they're seeing the the bad aspects of it. And this one voice where we don't really facilitate debate. I mean, this morning, as you're watching the economic news uh, coming in from Europe about energy shortages, energy price 
uh, spikes, the lack of carbon dioxide in the UK. Why is that? Because Europe is not looking at the science, which says we don't go to renewable energy overnight in the world. That's we right. have to have a long transition. And what they're doing is now in Europe, it looks like California, where you're having brownouts and misallocation of resources. And I think that's part of that, seriously, is because we cancel debate. We say, if you believe that there's a longer transition, you're somehow wrong. When my point of view is that's economics, that's basic science. Well, they say it can happen overnight, and people who put any thought into it at all know that it can't happen that way. All right, I've got questions for the, from the listeners, and I told them that I'd ask today, so let, let me drop them in on you. Uh, a listener says, would you please ask the congressman about these unvaxxed immigrants coming across the border and they don't even know where they're being put. What does he say about that? A key point, uh, and this is something that we've called attention to literally since uh, the 1st of February when Joe Biden abandoned the Trump policies that were working on the border, keeping people out. Uh, for seeking asylum status. That allowed them to stay in Mexico, and they would then wait their case until they had to come into the U.S. for a hearing. And then if you were over 18, we just uh, sent you back to your home country because of the pandemic. The people who've gotten across the border and stayed uh, for the times I was in the Rio Grande Valley were not even tested unless they were showing symptoms. And I still don't have verification that anyone that's processed through to wait in the U.S. with their family uh, as a part of their medical exam is vaccinated. And we keep asking that question, and we don't get an answer. Even though once you leave one of these border holding facilities, you go to work uh, or you go to stay at an HHS facility before you go uh, to a relative. Supposedly, in answer to the question, HHS and Homeland Security know where the person waiting an asylum hearing is gone. They know the address. They know the cell phone number. But do they really? Do they really follow up on that? And they're all over the United States in 50, probably all 50 states now, because that's what they do. They go to where a, quote, relative is or someone they've given as a contact. Um, In contrast, for the Afghans that are coming to the U.S., they have a full medical evaluation, including they get polio, tetanus, TB, COVID-19. They get all their vaccinations uh, as they wait for resettlement in the U.S. I don't understand the duplicity in that. While one is required for an Afghan being vetted with biometrics, photographs, fingerprints, and full paperwork, and while somebody coming in here uh, across the border illegally doesn't have the same uh, review. So, Congressman, what can you do? I mean, this is the the majority party is making these decisions. Is there anything the minority party can do to stop it? Well, I think our going to the border almost every week with Republicans, including Republican leadership like McCarthy and Scalise, Uh, We've been down there so many times. Uh, Great leadership by Tony Gonzalez, who's a member of Congress from Del Rio, uh, August Pfluger from West Texas, and even Democrat Henry Cuellar have putting the pressure to disclose what's happening, where these people are, and what's going on. And we're trying to get changes out of the Biden administration. For example, just last week, 
the Homeland Security Secretary will, uh, maybe we will instate the, reinstate the Trump remain in Mexico policy. Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you how much of this would have stopped uh, if that had just been left in place on January 20th. So pressing them through publicity, through going to the border, having border states, uh, Customs and Border Patrol personnel, the Customs and Border Patrol Union, uh, and including humanitarian groups, putting pressure on the administration that their policy is a failure. All right. Let's take a quick break. we got more to talk about when we come back. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We've got Congressman French Hill that's on the air with us today. We'll talk to him further here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, don't forget about uh, David Lucas. He knows that you're concerned about out-of-control government spending. He knows that you're watching inflation. You, of course, are watching the political unrest and a rapid decline in the U.S. dollar. And that's why millions of Americans are investing in silver and gold to protect their nest eggs. Uh, David Lucas Financial here in North Little Rock is doing the best that they can do for you to make sure you don't let 1970s-style inflation destroy your retirement. Learn how silver and gold could help you protect your assets, IRA, 401K, and hard-earned savings by calling 501-222-3315. They work with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. So you get direct prices from dealers that you can trust. To learn more about buying silver and gold, call 501-222-3315. 501-222-3315. Investment advisory services offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. Okay, we continue with, we're with uh, Congressman French Hill right now. Uh, French, somebody uh, asked me to ask you uh, this question. Are you a member of the Freedom Caucus? And if not, why not? Uh, I'm not. I've been in Congress uh, seven years. I joined the largest conservative think tank conservative advocacy group in Congress, though, which is called the Republican Study Committee. Uh, that has been a centerpiece for conservative policymaking in the House uh, for really since Newt Gingrich was speaker. So that's the group I joined. There's only so many groups to join. It's the biggest. It's a majority of the House Republicans. It is policy-oriented. It has a great staff that researches policy. So I vote with the Freedom Caucus guys a lot on some of their issues, but I find the policymaking apparatus of the Republican Study Committee a real great place for me to work and complement the stuff that I'm doing over in my other committee activities like on House Financial Services Committee. Well, I keep pointing out to people uh, on the air that elections have consequences, and the last election had serious, serious consequences. Now that the House belongs to the Democrats, I believe that it will belong to us again uh, here after 22 when they meet again and you guys meet again in 23. But uh, right now, on all the committees and uh, as a, a, a group, uh, you're outvoted every time when it's just, uh, you know, 50 plus one votes, you lose. Well, you know, sometimes we do and sometimes we don't. And it's getting very tough for Speaker Pelosi. One reason why... <laughs> 
we don't have the $3.5 trillion spending bill, which is really $5.5 trillion, uh, on the House floor, along with another $1.2 trillion in infrastructure that only has 10% for roads. <laughs> Those bills are not on the House floor because she doesn't have the votes in her caucus. Why? Well, first of all, the far left, which has 100 votes right now inside the Democratic conference in the House. Think about that. Almost uh, half of the Democratic caucus in the U.S. House of Representatives identifies themselves with Bernie Sanders, Ocasio-Cortez, far-left domestic policies, and some of them very anti-Semitic foreign policies. Yes. So, but she can only lose four votes now to bring something to the floor. That gives that far-left an advantage. But it also gives us power to lobby our more moderate Democratic colleagues to not put up with this. And so uh, recently on a vote to demand mandatory climate disclosures by public companies, a bill I worked on to try to stop, we won it, uh, almost won it. They kept the vote open for an hour so Speaker Pelosi personally could come back from a meeting and personally cast a vote because she doesn't ever vote typically. Interesting. So their, their majority is narrow and it's under pressure. And that's why we're working so hard to take the House back next year. And that will give us the ability to stop uh, once and for all uh, Joe Biden's. Uh, well, it's really not Joe Biden's agenda. Let's set the record straight. It's Bernie Sanders' agenda, a Democratic socialist who lost the Democratic nomination to Biden, but won the war. He lost the battle, but he won the war because these are his policies being proposed. All right. So what can you as the Republican Party do against the government uh, with just a stroke of a pen from somebody who's in the Pentagon force um, our and the National Guard members to be uh, forced to take a vaccine that hasn't been licensed yet? I mean, is there anything that you can do to stop that? Is there anybody on the on the, the left that will join up with you all? You know, I don't see it on the left because, uh, honestly, as you as we've talked about, even in our discussion about the school board voices, I mean, the left has just associated with uh, COVID-19 as a way to control the audience, control the narrative, and everything is about the pandemic. And so uh, that you just won't get them to say they don't want to mandate something related to the to the pandemic. I think what Republicans have to do and ordinary people is talk to uh, the public and make our case known in Congress that we don't think that's the way to go and ask the questions. Look, what are the exclusions? What are the uh, uh, ability like you would if I were still running a business? I'd be accommodating people who cannot take the vaccine for a medical reason or a personal conviction reason. I'd be looking for ways to accommodate them. They're talented people. We need these men and women in uniform defending our Constitution. And the good ones, we don't want them leaving the military. And I get I get word on that every week. So how are we going to accommodate our men and women in the uniform uh, and let them serve in the face of the in the in the face of a pandemic uh, in the right way. And I think it takes more discussion. All right. Last question from from my end, and then I'll go back and ask you a question. I know that you definitely want to talk about. Uh, there is a bill out by Representative Biggs called HR fifty three sixty that will nullify Biden's vaccine mandate. Are you going to co sponsor that bill? 
I do support, uh, I haven't read the bill, I do sp- support efforts to block a one-size-fits-all federal mandate. I don't support Biden's approach, so I'll look at what Andy's proposing. But look, it's been a month, and we don't even have a written document from Joe Biden. I think maybe he, uh, once again, announced something to distract people from his collapse of Afghanistan and his border collapse to talk about this mandate. And yet he hasn't even produced a memo that tells us what it would be like or released to the public any details whatsoever. So I think we keep the heat on. We talk about the inability to enforce that, the unconstitutional nature of it. Uh, and keep the pressure on. So I'll take a look and see what Andy's proposed. All right, let me know how you, what you think of it so you I bet. can keep up with uh, my listeners. Last uh, question. The president now is threatening the whole thing about uh, getting rid of of uh, the uh, the way of stopping bills in the Senate with without having 60 votes. They want to get rid of the filibuster. Uh, from what I knew, Manchin and uh, Senate... Uh, What's her name from uh, Arizona? Yeah, Cinema were uh, both still uh, against getting rid of that. So this just sounds like me blowing smoke by the president. Uh, One more time. I mean, it's uh, it's I can't tell what they're doing at the White House. There's smoke signals coming up all the time. I don't know if they're electing a new pope or sending a message to the left. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you. Uh, I don't think Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema want to be the votes that cast out the uh, the filibuster for uh, and the alleged reason this week, there's a new reason from the left every week. But this week is because Democrats can't get their act together. They control the House, the Senate and the White House, and they can't get their act together on raising the debt ceiling. And you have to ask yourself, well, why? They have all the votes. That's right. And the answer is they have to disclose to the American people they want to spend another $6 trillion this year on top of the $4 trillion that we're already going to spend. It's amazing. It's amazing. And that's why. And they won't take responsibility for it. Of course. When did they ever take responsibility for anything, Congressman? Come on. You and, and look, I have been quick, at this for a long time. Quickly. We don't want uh, the government to default uh, and... There should be a way to uh, raise the debt ceiling. What Republicans want is we want normal spending. We want spending caps. We want uh, go back to the pre-pandemic prioritization of spending. All right, Congressman, it, we're, we're, we're out of time. Uh, thank you, Dave. Let's, let's do it again. All right, back with you, Dave Ellswick. Show our thanks to uh, Congressman Hill for joining us. We did run out of time. When that happens, computer takes over, just the way it is. That happens at all the other networks as well. So just let you know, we had to get out, and we did. Uh, We're waiting for uh, Congressman Westerman, but he's out and about in the 4th District. And depending on where he's at in the 4th District, there may or may not be cell phone coverage. So we're waiting for him to get uh, some bars on his phone, so to speak, and he'll be calling us and we'll be talking to him. So while we got just a few minutes, let me get to PI Roofing and remind you about getting your roof fixed. Uh, if you're walking around today in your house and you're seeing discoloration on your ceiling or on the side of your walls or water at the bottom of your baseboards, you need to get them out to look at your roof and find out where that water is coming from. Because it's coming from the outside and getting on the inside. And it may not be coming from the area you think where it should be coming from the last little leak that we found on my roof i thought 
it was coming from right over the living room because that's where we were seeing the discoloration. And it was coming from the front of the garage. It was moving down the uh, uh, the, the boards and things and, and making its way to wherever it wanted to go as far as what was the point of, of least resistance. And getting to the living room was where it ended at. So the bottom line is they came out, they fixed it over the garage, and now I don't have a leak over my living room, which is a good I don't know, 25 feet away from where, or more, maybe more than that, maybe 50 feet from where the leak was coming in. So let the uh, professionals come out, find out why they're called the uh, your your roof leak detectives, and let the folks at uh, uh, PI Roofing take good care of you. All you got to do is contact them, 707 3551 or go online to piroofing.com. Again, we're waiting for uh, Congressman uh, Westerman to call in to us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So let, let's kind of recap some of the things that we've talked about today because we have covered a lot of territory since uh, we came on at 6 o'clock. We had representative um, mark lowry in uh to talk to us and uh, we'll uh, uh, just remind you some of the things that he talked about said that uh, there's a um, a vigorous and open debate going on about what should be done about how much how much power do businesses have to determine if you have to take the vaccine uh at the, the job that you're at or lose your job. So that's going on. Uh, they're talking about drawing the maps up uh, here in the state uh, for uh, the way that you got you to gotta do every 10 years to make sure that there's enough representation in every uh, district here in the state. We have four. I got one. Rick Crawford is the uh, congressman for that one. You've got two, which is Congressman French Hill. You have three, which is, uh, of course, up in northwest Arkansas. And then you have uh, number four, which is uh, Bruce Westerman, who we hope to hear from in just a moment. Uh, Some of the redistricting that is being talked about right now is to break up some things up in uh, Pulaski County. Uh, A lot of people say, well, why Pulaski County? Well, it really is and has been drawn for years by the Democrats, who's done all the redistricting, uh, into a solid bastion of blue. That's what they've done. They've 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 kind of you know mixed fixed it up so that uh, the uh, uh, Democrats have some strongholds in uh, Pulaski County, so that when it comes time to uh, have elections, uh, you got a lot more minority voters uh, in the second district so that you can hope to get a Democrat elected in that area. Because when it comes, when you get into, you know, um, Faulkner County and areas like that, uh, it's not, you know, uh, open for the most part to Democrats. That's more of a Republican area. Uh, in four, you know, you got Low Note County and all those northeastern counties, a lot of farmers, 
who are conservative. So it's a, a, a fairly red area as well. And, uh, you know, we don't have to get into uh, down in four and, and how that being as much as it is agriculture is at a red area and up into the northwest, which we know is a red area, though I like to call it kind of just a hot mess, super purple up there. Because there's enough enough people that are liberal that they can cause some problems up there, and they do from time to time. So anyway, that's what's going on over in the uh, uh, in our uh, uh, capital right now, and what they're what they're working on. They're working on redistricting at this time, and they're working on COVID nineteen mask mandates and and all the rest. Now we had a, a decision by the courts not to take the injunction off on the mask mandate that was put there by a judge saying that uh, they couldn't pass, that, that the mask mandate that was passed by the the legislature and said, no, you can't have a mask uh, mandate, uh, well, said that that law doesn't apply right now until the law itself has been found either constitutional or unconstitutional I would I would think that sometime this month we'll get a uh, we'll get a, a decision by the state supreme court on that, and I do believe it's going to go uh, against the mass mandate uh, here in in the state. So there's there's some real big uh, decisions yet to be made. Uh, there's a, a lot of things that are being decided as we speak. I think that as we talk to congressman hill today one of the things that uh, we have uh, uh, found out is that elections do have consequences i keep reminding people about this and and it's not arkansas that's causing the problem it's uh, there was enough uh, anti-trumpers all across the united states that were able to throw the election uh towards uh, biden uh, you know, bastions of, of very, very, very deep blue areas in P- Pennsylvania and in uh, some folks in, uh, in Arizona, uh, the voting parameters in Arizona is slowly changing. It's changing from a solid red state to more of a purple state. A lot of that happening because of the people that are coming into the United States uh, and, you know, or people who live out in California who decide they don't like the tax policies there and things of that nature. And so they go to Arizona, they go to Texas, and they wash away a little bit of the red and replace it with a little bit of blue, and it's enough to turn it purple. Because God loved those people they leave those states and they go to another state where they're not having the policies uh, that they're having in California. But for whatever reason, uh, they bring their, their uh, you know, their viruses with them uh, into the states that they move to. So you'll watch California for the first time in, I, Lord, I don't know how many years, uh, is going to lose a congressional seat. I think that Texas is gaining one and I think Arizona is gaining one uh, because of the people who are leaving out along that solid blue area uh, in the West. 
but they're not coming to the red areas sold on uh, uh, conservative views. They're coming and still voting in higher taxes and and things of that nature, and there's some real fights now and as we move into the future about all of that. I, I just thought the congressman did a good job if, if explaining, you know, what what is he doing about keeping the people from coming in to the United States? Well, Republicans aren't in control. We're not in control. I mean, we can yell, scream, pitch a fit, lie on the floor, you know, bang our heads on the floor and, and kick our feet and whatever, but we don't have the votes to stop a lot of the things that are happening at the behest of uh, the Democrats. So if you've got friends that you know that live in other parts of the country, just ask them, what is it you don't understand about this? What is it you don't understand that, you know, energy prices are going up because of energy policies from this party that's in power right now? All right, let's get a break in, and hopefully we'll hear from Congressman Westerman for a few minutes again. He's out and about in the 4th District. Uh, that's all of the, the southeast, southwest part of the state. Uh, leads all the way up to the Fayetteville Finger, which is soon to be gone. But uh, going into that area, so uh, he may be in some areas where he can't get good cell phone connections. It's a Dave Ellswick show. Uh, we're looking at 746 right now, 14 minutes till 8 on a Wednesday on 1011 FM, The Answer. All right, back with you. We've got uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman on. Let me read us a memo that was issued on Monday, uh, Bruce, from the uh, the Attorney General. He revealed that he's deploying federal authorities to investigate outspoken parents over a disturbing spike in harassment, intimidation, and threats of violence that's allegedly been faced by school board members. He says, while spirited debate about policy matters is protected under the Constitution, that protection does not extend to threats of violence or efforts to intimidate individuals based on their views. Threats against public servants are not only illegal, they run counter to our nation's core values. This is a man who said that he wanted to be... uh, a Supreme Court justice. Thank God he never got there. But this is crazy. They're turning the FBI on our just our average uh, Americans now. Your thoughts on that? We still got you, Bruce. Hey, Dave. Sorry about that. Okay. It, uh, the call dropped, and I called called back. I missed the first part of your question. Okay. Well, Garland is is sicking the the AG is sicking the FBI on average citizens now. Uh, a, a very, very cold-blooded move to to stymie your uh, the the people who don't agree with what this administration says is should be done. Your thoughts on that? Well, my first thought is I'm so thankful that he didn't get appointed to the Supreme Court because <laughs> he's he's pretty much a disaster. Yeah, and uh, you know I think that's a. Uh, it's, it's definitely an overbearing federal government, the heavy hand of the federal government, Big Brother and all of that. So, uh, it, it, sadly, it's, uh, you know, it's not surprising that, that they're doing things like that. And 
with all the other stuff this administration and the the leftocrats are pushing, it it really doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you think about this. The last time something this heavy-handed was done was when the KKK was uh, being fought with by the FBI during the civil rights era against, uh, and now they're talking about going up against parents for going and saying they don't want their child to wear a mask or something. This is, this is insanity. Yeah. Well, they, uh, they're going to make their match when they, they get mad mamas and daddies after them. Uh, I just wish the election was this November day. I'm just so sick of what the, uh, the left is doing and these, crazy un-American socialist policies they're pushing, uh, thinking the federal government's the answer to the, to all the problems when it's actually the the biggest part of the problem. Uh, I've been, uh, it's actually a, a beautiful morning. I'm driving up through uh, through my district, but I've had a chance to be out in, in my district this week talking to people in the real world that are uh, seeing the negative fallout for these policies that uh, the Biden administration is pushing, the increased cost in energy, uh, paying people not to work. I've yet to meet an employer that says they're able to find people uh, to work right now, that uh, it's a struggle that everybody's facing. Uh, and it's and it's not going to get any worse with these, uh, these terrible policies that they're continuing to push forward. And I think people are getting really fed up with it. Um, you know, when you start messing with people's kids and what's going on in school, and it's just a it's a slap in the face to the uh, to the American citizen. Yeah, well, it's it's crazy for sure when they're talking about brownouts in California and and uh, Europe now has got all kinds of brownouts going on over there, and here in the United States we have a president who says, "Guess what? Yeah, we could use some more oil." But we don't want it from our people. We want it from the Saudis and we want it from the Russians. I don't get it. Oil is oil, folks. It comes out of the ground. Much better it comes from a free nation than a communist or a, 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 a you know a nation that's under a king. I just hope people see through the, the lies and the false things that the left is putting out. You know, they say they're going. They're trying to do all this in the name of the environment. Well, they're not doing squat for the environment. They're actually when they force energy production in, uh, you know, Saudi Arabia and Venezuela and all these other rogue nations. Um, they do. It, they don't do it nearly as as cleanly and as efficient as we do here in the U.S. Plus, you've got to ship it uh, across the ocean, so you're you're using a huge amount of energy just to deliver the energy. Uh, it's a it's the biggest joke um, that I think I've seen them push out. Where they talk about we're going to do this and we're going to do that for the environment. Well, they could care less about the environment. They don't understand <clears throat> science and they don't understand what it takes to to be good stewards. They just want to see the heavy hand of the government intrude into every aspect of people's lives. And on top of that, they're doing business with our enemies. I mean. Russia doesn't like us. China doesn't like us. Venezuela doesn't like us. We can go all around the world. There's people who want to topple us. And what do we do? We help keep them in power by uh, buying their energy. And shift our will uh, to those nations. It's, it's, it's insane. And uh, even on the green energy side of it, 
they don't want to have any mining here in the U.S. They don't want to use any of our resources. Uh, and they literally, I think I've told you about this, they want to close down the, the copper mine yep. uh, that can supply 25% of our nation's demands for copper over the next 50 years. The same sentence they talk about, they're going to save the environment and electrify everything. They talk about closing down copper mines. It's It's crazy. You can't make it up. That's hey, look, one thing I figured out about the left is you can't, you can't no. be creative enough to make up the, the crazy stuff they come up with. It's only keeping power at the moment. They don't care how they got to do it. They're out to have power and to keep that power. Did you see Balgram Air Force Base? Uh, of course, we left it behind. Did you see who's put who's uh, taken over there at Balgram now? It's I, I haven't seen that. China. That does not surprise me in the, in the least bit. They're probably shipping in all the uh, the stuff they need to mine the uh, the rare earth minerals that we discovered. They're using taxpayer money of the, the USGS. Uh, you know, we're a trillion dollars worth of, of minerals. So they don't want to mine copper in uh, in Arizona, but I'm sure they'll buy it from the Chinese that mine it from Afghanistan, which pushes more money into. Uh, uh, the terrorist nation. Yeah, it, yep. it, it makes no sense. There's yeah. zero common sense. I was down in the south part of my district yesterday talking to uh, to farmers, and that's what they they were asking me. Does anybody have any sense up there? Are, are you, you guys from Arkansas the only ones that have a leak of sense? And I said, No, there's there's quite a few that have common sense, but we're just in the major minority right now. I got you. Well, we're out of time. I thank you for calling in today. I know you're out and about where there's no cell phone uh, uh, coverage, that it's clean. Thank you for calling in these last few minutes, uh, Bruce. We'll get you back on next Wednesday, and, and we'll talk more in depth on some of the things that we touched today. You have a great day. All right. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. All right. Yeah, Bruce Westman, Congressman, 4th District, hearing from him. I mean, he's scratching his head, too. Everybody's scratching their heads about what the left's doing. They're insane for power. They'll do whatever they need to do to have, you know, make sure that they can kill children from conception until uh, birth. They'll do everything they got to do for that. They won't do the things that are great for the United States. All right, I'll be back tomorrow on a Thursday. First hour, we're going to talk about homeschooling. Join us if you're interested about that. And then Doc and Joe will be with us. Second hour, we'll talk about cars. Until then, have a great day. Stay dry. And I'll see you at 6 in the morning here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.